BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to a weekend bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home. I'm Brian McCullough. Steve Rosenbaum is a good friend of mine, a digital media veteran, a multi-time founder of digital media companies, someone I turn to for on and off the record info about what is happening in digital media. Gene DeRose is another NYC tech and media OG, founder of Jupiter Communications. As you know, it's been a while since I've done podcast recommendations on Fridays. So this weekend, I'm going to rectify that a bit by talking to podcasters about some recent issues in the news. Steve and Gene do the Future Forward podcast in conjunction with the IEEE. So today we're going to talk to them about Facebook's pivot to privacy and Apple's big event on Monday. Please do search your podcast apps and subscribe to the Future Forward podcast. So, Steve, I think uh, you listen to the podcast at least occasionally. I, I, I don't remember if it was this week or last week. It must have been last week. Uh, I did a segment where I was like, okay, I'm convinced the pivot to privacy, to private messaging is real. Um, are we agreed that this is for real at this point? We're agreed that it's for real, but I actually think it's a bit of a canary in a coal mine. I think it, I think it's worth paying attention to, not as another Zuckerberg press release, but more as a big acknowledgement of just how broken and uh, and and effed up the open networks have become quickly and i'm less convinced mm. but why well a couple things principally one um uh, facebook is such a large and acclimated to by a billion people service that I find it hard to believe uh, without sleight of hand, footnote there, that they will be able to upturn or even quickly uh, gravitate towards that. It, it means a lot. My footnote is that I suspect they're going to try to do it in a way that doesn't make it seem like it's happening, which is to say... Right now, you don't know necessarily who's watching your feed, who gets your feed, what the priority is. It's possible that they use the very tools that they've used to manipulate who you see and who you don't see to push that. So it's a big question, right? Because, or will it look and feel like Snapchat or um, Instagram? Well, what about the argument that the vaunted pivot to privacy is uh, Ben Thompson and, and others have made this like this is it, it, there's all sorts of side benefits of doing this there's PR benefits there's um, but, but it, this at, at its core maybe this is just a an actual business model shift where again who has more data in terms of how people are actually using social media than Zuckerberg does so this is just moving to where skating to where the puck is going to be 
and then it has all of these other dressings around it that oh we we, we believe in privacy now and things like that like maybe the 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 real truth of it is is like this is just well this is where social media is going and so this is where facebook as a company is going to go uh, I, steve you can go first but i don't buy that <laughs> no, no 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 go you go ahead and dig a hole and then i'll just put dirt on top of it there you go thanks um it's um look i first of all uh, as I told Steve the other day, I don't think Zuckerberg any longer has the kind of advantageous purview. I mean, he has no more view than his marketers and his, um, you know, uh, financial people and everyone else are going to give him. Uh, a, B, the private sharing is a thing that happens on Instagram, really. Um, and then, you know, I, I guess I would just go back to something that who says it's such a great thing to do private sharing. I mean, you know, this is a little bit of baby out with the bathwater. The very notion of a public, you know, an open internet is is really important. Now, if they want to just leave it to Twitter and, and the others that are, are a little more open and public, that's fine. Um, I I just still don't have a picture of what it means to, so to an end user. So, so I love when you're that wrong, Gene, because that's like this is the thing I love about doing podcasts with you is because then it's like you literally lay it out for me and then I can just knock the ball, the battery right off your shoulder. Here's the thing. Zuckerberg's cu customer are advertisers. They're people who pay him money. Those customers don't like this news, noisy, horrible New Zealand murder video world that is the open the, the open internet is a different conversation than the open Facebook platform. But he can deliver the same value to advertisers with way less risk by making it safer. How, how is that that's not a very, win for That's him? very baby out with the bathwater again, because it's not the New Zealand shooting that is the only thing that's the byproduct of an open internet. There's the, there's the Arab uprising and there's Bernie Sanders and there's, you know, lots of good things that have happened. So I, I, I don't, I don't, I, again, I just I don't think having the dialogue on the level of of good versus bad on these individual incidents is as important as what is dynamically changing. And I'll also say this: What has the golden gut of Zuck done in the last three or five years um, that is truly kind of a, a, a masterstroke from he himself versus infinite numbers of apologies for? blunders and promises to do better you know let me uh well i i have my own theory that that a lot of people at that company were checked out and were ready to move on to doing things like running for president and things like that and then <laughs> the last two true. years uh, but let me let's put a pin because i do want to come back to the new zealand angle here but let me give you two more two more things that that this so-called pivot to privacy does uh, or maybe even three. Like one, obviously you unify the product so that advertisers are only doing one simple spend. You you tie it all together. And so if you're getting ahead of the tidal wave of theoretical, um, you know, uh, breaking up the big tech companies, it's harder to, to spin these off if it's all one product. And then, and this maybe does lead us into the New Zealand thing, then they, they, they don't ever have to get into the curation and the um, editorial. like Because if everything is, is behind wall-to-wall um, -wall encryption, then they don't have to be like, well, you know, we can't even see what people are doing on our stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, think that's a it, good it's, point. It's all happening magically. We're just collecting the cash. We're like a toll booth. Well, but, but I mean, it's a good point, I think, because of the um, – 
of the you know difference, the substantive difference between the content that I create as an end user and share within my private networks and the stuff that comes down from various on high, that is mainstream media, other kinds of places. Look, to be sure, um, uh, ads still reach everyone on Instagram in some ways, and the media players have... Um, have done a pretty good job on Instagram at creating their own kind of presences. And so, you know, I don't actually even agree with pivot to privacy, pivot to private sharing. I agree with, mm. but that's sort of taking and, uh, you know, trying to steal home, <laughs> uh, uh, on privacy, right. You know, uh, when it's not the same thing as private sharing. So, so, you know, let, let, so let's talk about the Roger McNamee phenomenon, because I think it's I think it's worth throwing his name in the ring here. Mm. So Roger has been on this really rather aggressive, fairly relentless media tour since his book Suck came out. I mean, I, I think I think I've run into him maybe 19 times at book events and then at South by and then on this podcast and then on that podcast. And he's essentially said the same thing with some regularity, which is, you know, Hey, Zuck, you're 35 years old. It's not like you're going to leave the company and then take your winnings and go do something great a la Bill Gates and, you know, cure, you know, diseases. You Why have not? The opportunity. Why? Well, Why? Because, because you have your hands on the steering wheel of a really big problem that really needs a really big solution. So like he and he literally says the same thing every time you hear him. Like he's only speaking to one person. He's saying, Mark, just wake up tomorrow morning and go, you know what? I'm going to fix this. And I think there's an argument to be made that that Mark knows the data. He's seen, you know, downward trends on Facebook that he can't just fix with fiddling the the, the app. And I I think there's a fair argument to be made that he's responding to to Roger. Yeah, I think it I think it is true up to a point, and there certainly is now a kind of a public scenario of like, you know, Roger in a public way having Zuck on the couch for several years. Um, but I'm not sure it's as easy as that. Remember, one of the, the points that Zuck's making, Zuck's making, that um, that uh, Roger is also making is that in some ways uh, Zuck is victimized like a lot of other uh, uh, fast ascending companies by the very wrong nature of how public markets are structured toward profits and shareholders and the whole idea of doing better work, serving people, even doing better by their customers has been kind of lost against this need to grow and expand margins. So, you know, it's a kind of a little bit of both. And again, I'm still not sure that Zuck is, um, I think he's responding a lot more to Congress and the the political um, wins than he is to um, uh, Roger. I would agree well, with that in the sense that uh, I think Roger might be trying to assuage his own conscience. I'm not sure. You might be right that he's pricked uh, Mark Zuckerberg's conscience, but um, I, I think that Zuck is, is actually – I actually think if my conversion to believing in the pivot to privacy is that because he can kill all these birds with one stone, this is kind of a genius strategic move. Let me, let me steer us real quick, and I actually don't want to get bogged down in the weeds in this one. But the New Zealand thing happened this week, and there's been so many opinion pieces and think pieces and well this is how we should be dealing with this stuff but like just through the lens again of a theoretical pivot to privacy or pivot to messaging or pivot to uh encryption and things like that is that 
a step towards de-weaponizing social media or the opposite? I think that's the question. I, I don't, I mean, I have some guesses, but I think you've nailed exactly the, the crosshairs of, of uh, this. Um, I guess the question would be, what would be the evidence that it, that it would? I mean, and I guess, you know, the answer partly is you're kind of, this idea of private sharing kind of inoculates the, um, uh, to double down on jargon, metastasization of, of, of ideas and memes, right? They could become a little more contained, but certainly not stopped, right? Because Except, sharing... right, because, uh, let me, I'm sorry to interrupt, yeah, sorry, but, and, and I've criminally undercovered this on the show, but there was the, the whole incident of the Myanmar um, um, genocide that, uh, that people were blaming on WhatsApp. Now, again, WhatsApp, encrypted and so that the problem was it's almost like the fear would be and right. someone made this point last week or this week that in the future if everything's encrypted you can't even see how things are spread so it's almost like in a weird way as it exists now by having sharing be in the open you can monitor the spread of these things to a certain extent if everything is gone behind uh, a wall that, then that, it's almost that, worse. Like you can't. That is a great point, and the Myanmar example is really not been brought out enough as an example of what can happen with private sharing. That's really that's very powerful. Yeah. So sorry, sorry to not you know, disagree with you. <laughs> I so he, so here's my take in a kind of a simple simplistic way. I think it comes down to people taking responsibility for the speech that they have, and I you know those of you who know my history. I mean, I got into a fairly famous public battle with Alexis Ohanian about what I consider to be his nonsense pseudonymity argument. And I did not win that argument, but, but you know, to me, <laughs> so, so, so here's, here's, I think the answer to Facebook, if they really, if they, they, they say that the, the shooting video was shared one and a half million times. So that's one and a half million members or registered users who saw something objectionable and decided to amplify it. You know, they took down those 1.5 million shares, and I guess 1.2 million of them were blocked at upload is what they're now saying. But they didn't ever say back to those people, hey, you know what, we keep track of this, and we've made some determinations about where the line is, and here's our line about terms of service, and you've crossed it, and we're giving you a little, and this is what YouTube does, with copyright strikes, they've got a whole system and you get a strike and then you can negotiate it. But I don't understand why they, they're willing to take down the videos. So they clearly have made an editorial decision, but they're not willing to say to the uploader, hey, we're, we're putting a black mark right next to your name. You got to stop that. Like, That's right. It almost feels um, like um, East old Eastern Bloc kind of, um, you don't even know why something happened. Talk to the hand. There's no communication. And one other thing, really, that I think is notable, and we've been talking about this on and off for months, um, I guess I brought it up, which is, I believe one of the principal problems with social networks is a lack of a kind of transparency that everyone would appreciate. And by that, I mean more of what traditional media has had forever, and even, God forbid, AOL had back in the day, which is a kind of ombudsman role where you're willing to have a dialogue and uh, tell your community 
what's going on, especially when things go a little wrong. Show us some data. Don't talk down to us or not at all. There's a way to sort of do that on a regular basis. And on Facebook, there's some kerfuffle or another shot every three days. And so it feels like they're hiding a lot, you know, hiding in not hiding something bad, but just hiding in fear of saying anything. Well, I guess the fear that I would have, and I, I got to credit Daria Abashanjo for, um, I think it was his tweet that turned me on it. Like, if, if they just go behind um, encryption, then they can just wash their hands of the whole thing and absolve themselves and be like, well, we don't know. And that, like, that's my fear going forward. Let me, yeah, let me. Um... When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that's had its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months or worse. That laptop might belong to a bad actor using Using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. One Password. One Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. One Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. One Password lets you securely switch between iPhone. Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. 1Password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using 1Password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the 1Password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Let's, let's pivot to something else because um, <laughs> there's people uh, on this call that have media experience. And it, it's been so fascinating this week that um, Apple has cleared the deck of any potential, like in other in other Apple events, they would always do a little, well, here uh, we're up, updating the Mac lineup, we're updating the iPad. It's almost like I said on, on today's show, um, they're, they're settling all family business so that on Monday they can only focus on the services and the media stuff. Um, so let's, let's talk about uh, what we think is going to happen on Monday with Apple's big event. 
I'll, I'll, I'll go out first, and then Gene can either agree with me or tell me I'm a knucklehead. You know, I think it's worth remembering the history of Apple in that it's rarely first. It often is a fast follower. It wasn't first with the iPod. You know, they've, they, they've been slow to get into the video space. They've let a lot of people make mistakes. They've let Netflix get a foothold. You know, Disney's on its way into doing something big and important. I, I think that Monday is going to be a surprise, and I think it's going to be bigger than people realize, and I think it's going to be a success. That's what you've been hearing, and I'm not trying to blow up anybody's spot, but the, the, we're going to be surprised, you think. It's bigger than what a lot of us are thinking. Well, you know, look, the thing about content is it's hard and it's different than other places that they've been. But there's been some complaints out of Hollywood like, oh, the guys at Apple are messing with our stuff. They're, you know, they're giving us notes like you think you think that they're, you know, and whether or not they're really good at being editorial managers, you know, having built one iPad app in my life, I can tell you, you know, I was shocked at how handsy they were about the iPad app and the corners of the, the icon. And they, I mean, they, you know, no one talks about this cause you know, you don't talk about Fight Club, but, but um, you know, Apple is very hands-on. Anything that gets on their platform is gonna have their signature on it. Yeah, so you would argue that that's sort of almost like a Disney-like um, strike in, in terms of, um, you know, flavor and who it appeals to and stuff. But I, I am a big skeptic on their ability to, you know, Steve Jobs famously said right before he died, I had the light bulb. I think I finally figured out how TV needs to be cracked and we're just the ones to do it. And that was, you know, eight or nine years ago. So who knows what that even was. But I, I, I don't believe um, that they can truly invent something new. I disagree that they haven't done that before. I think they've failed a lot in just, repeating or, or buying and aping things, you know, we'll see how iTunes goes for the sixth time it's been reinvented. But I do believe that, um, I do believe TV still needs, you know, can anything bring TV and video viewing together or in a good way, because we're in the golden age of, um, of, 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 um, of, um, you know, curate your own, uh, video experience. Um, you know, can can somebody synthesize it all in a way that doesn't mess the shit up? You so, know, so here, so wait, 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 wait. here's the one question that I'm spending the last two days wondering about: Are they re like? Is there going to be a new product? Is it going to be ITV? Is it going to be you know? Yeah, yeah. Or iVideo? Well, well there because will be. If, new, if they, we know there will be new programming. I mean, I have a really good friend who's 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 a showrunner on on a pretty significant new thing. But the question has always been with that. You know, are they? You know, are they uh, going to be a producer? Are they going to be a network? Are they going to be both? Will those great shows be able to live on Hulu too? Well, so this is this is why I'm I'm skeptical. Number one. Not only do I, I'm super skeptical of their ability to be good at this, at, at, at content at the Hollywood uh, level, right? Yep. But then number two, okay, we know that they're going to have some original content. They've opened up the checkbook to do this. 
But if all it is is there's uh, a, you know a Steven Spielberg uh, Amazing Stories reboot and there's you know a Jennifer Aniston new show and things like that, well that's not enough to get me to sign up. And then if it's just that, and then well also we've we've got this really interesting new way to bundle. Well, we know they're not going to bundle um, uh, Netflix, but uh, HBO maybe, and this one, and that one, and the other, and you pay X dollar. Like that's still like kind of like a Hulu light with maybe bigger stars for original content. So like, I'm I'm skeptical yeah, skeptical I because I don't I can't imagine what the product think, would be that would be beyond so, that. I, I think so. Who, so wait, 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 wait. Who, who said sign up? Who said sign up? Oh, that's an interesting point. I've thought of that too. I well, mean, that's, all, all they have to do is say, if you're already getting Apple Music, it's free. Uh, well, right. I'd that like would be revolutionary. iOS is just going to be able to somehow ride herd on things, and, and there isn't even a thing I'd have to own other than to have an iOS device. Um, so you know. so he, here's why I think it's an exciting – look, to me, if, if they shove the video under iTunes and it's another searchable iTunes thing, that will be a terrible mistake, and I'm, I'm, my fingers are crossed around wrapped around each other crossed that they actually have a, a video a video landing page and a video home because that would be a big deal um and here, here's 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 the thing worth paying attention to if you look at apple news no one talks about it no one pays attention to it the numbers are massive the numbers are massive because they own that home uh, that home page position on the phone and yet it's often overlooked yeah because it's because it's a little bit of a canard. I mean, you know, theoretically, I'm an iTunes user, but I'm not sure I've ever used it. <laughs> but look, I think you just said something or, or referenced something that I think is important. For 15 years, we've been tootling around with this notion that you can kind of intercept the uh, screen and some of the intelligence of the television. Um, there have been Chromecast. There have been the stuff that's built in. Um, I do believe we are at the eve at which um, Apple could could let you simply do that in a way through your iPhone and just embed and Trojan horse these these which what cannot be more than a half dozen or dozen new properties in through that experience. I still know so many people that don't even know how to beam to their TV sets, but it is getting pretty darn easy. I would, so I've been thinking about it this way. If I'm Reed Hastings, what happens on Monday that makes me go, oh, uh-oh. And it would be if it were some sort of a content offering that was completely free for anyone in the iOS ecosystem. If it were, even if it was a Netflix light, but it was a Netflix adjacent, that then maybe Apple opened up the pocketbook to add on, I don't know, uh, Nat Geo, CNN, and, and it's 100% free. That's the only thing that would be like, wow, that is really exploding this game right here. I, I, I think that's right. And the unrealistic one, which would scare them even more, is that they could somehow co-opt and put everything under their umbrella. An extreme version of what I just said would be that, um, you know, everything has to go through and under, like all video that's that's used on, you know, would be uh, through uh, that platform, you know, because in some ways that's been done in other areas uh, a lot. But, but, but I think you're right. And I don't think they're going to do anything like that 
because they don't have the ability, they don't have the rights. The, their history has shown that if anything, they're mercenary with with content, um, uh, quote unquote, partners, um, book industry principally. Uh, I, I'm I've I've booked my Monday. I've I put a calendar <laughs> mark in my Monday because I, I'm I'm gonna watch the damn thing and then I'm gonna write about it and then I'm gonna go drink. You know, I mean, I I think. The, the, as a, speaking as a filmmaker and as a content producer, this is only a good thing to have another big checkbook, heavy hitter in the market, ratcheting up pricing, giving people more places to get their shows. It's there, nothing bad. There's nothing that's going to happen on Monday that's going to make me go on Tuesday morning. Oh, that's disappointing. Well, the other like, good thing is that Apple is 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 the inverse of historical vaporware. When they announce things, they're like. Oh, and by the way, when you get off this call, um, you'll be able to buy it, find it, you know, do whatever. Like, you know, it's on. Like the, yeah. their AirPods well, were announced the, today, and the, the other ones disappeared. <laughs> well, yeah, but the AirPower uh, charging pad, not <laughs> sort of the, <laughs> the exception. Yes, yes. Uh, although, hey, listen, they've been announcing something every morning, so maybe that's tomorrow morning. Um, I I don't want to – well, maybe the biggest news will be the, the news subscription service, but um, – I'm going to I'm going to elide that right now. Let, let's end with this question, because this is something that I've been thinking about for for whatever reason, a lot this week. And, and it's timely because the Fox deal closed today. When I've been thinking lately about uh, everyone's framing it as everyone's going after Netflix, but it's really it, all of the existing media giants are all trying, you know, Comcast, AT&T, everybody. The 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 person the, the, the player to me that people are not giving enough credit to how powerful they're going to be when they actually plop down in the space is Disney. And I mean, like library is so important. And then obviously you need to create new stuff, but we know they can Pixar, the, all the Marvel. Now they've got the Simpsons. So um, just your reactions to, to the idea of like really the 800 pound gorilla that hasn't even spoken yet is Disney. Well, I think the one thing that Disney has historically never done, and I, I could be wrong, is they've assiduously stayed away from platform delivery, et cetera. They've just been content cornucopia that prefers to have no limitations on where it can be distributed and how and they're the only ones in the world that like redistribute, you know, famous movies, you know, every 20 years and things like that for a whole cycle of theatrical release. So it is an odd thing. And I wonder if they have the DNA to create any kind of a Hulu or a Netflix to be sure they're going to do it. And maybe they just have the such a sizable um, library that they can, but they're going to do it at the cost of of a lot of assets that continue to 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 uh, pay off. So, so I have two takes. One, I, part of the problem I have with, with getting excited about Disney, even when I look at all the brands that are wrapping into the umbrella, into, into the package, is the Disney brand to me is so powerful and has such an identity that like it's hard for me to imagine non-family friendly, non kind of warm and fuzzy stuff that lives in a Disney branded package. That being said, if if Warner Media can stop imploding executives for five seconds and actually, you know, write the ship, you know, that's a package of brands and catalog value and interesting stuff and HBO and all that 
CNN. I mean, like to me, they're they're the elephant in the room. But I, every time you wake up in the morning, somebody else has quit or gotten fired. I, I feel like they're a constrained elephant in a certain way, right? Like the biggest thing they could do to yank you over and make you think about paying for something new would be if suddenly all of the ESPN properties were only available through a Disney offering. Mm -hmm. And that isn't going to happen. Mm -hmm. That's wait a scary until thought. Wait until Apple or um, Facebook starts bidding on NFL rights or MLB oh, rights. Right, or March Madness, or yeah, I agree. You, you uh, know, I, look, I, again, I'm I'm back to my. I'm not a techno optimist, but I think I'm a web video media optimist, which is just, you know, giving this. This is the the choice infrastructure that consumers have been begging cable to deliver to them for the last 20 years. Which you is, mean where we are right now? Yeah, where we are right now. Yep. Like, pick what you want, buy the right bundle. It's not cheap, by the way. I mean, no one's getting a bargain, but I, I like choice. I think choice well, for consumers what, it's, is it's a good thing. It's a fallacy thing. of cheapness because we're paying in all sorts of different balkanized, chunky little things instead of getting that one giant, you know, cable or telecom bill that jams it all in. Yeah. Uh, all right, before I let before I let you gentlemen go, uh, please tell me about Future Forward and what you guys do there and how we can get more of your uh, great banter and insights. So it began as a goofy idea over a drink now a year and a half ago in which Gene and I were debating some future of something and we kind of went, ha this is kind of entertaining. And then I think we did a, a couple of kind of, we did for a couple of weeks some tests to see if we could actually keep it up and we realized a, we've been around a long time. We know the space really well. We both are insufferable gossips. And so we talk to people all week that tell us things that we can kind of, without attributing it to anyone, kind of leak into the podcast. Yes, and I, I got to say, you you swore me to secrecy, but you have given me some juicy goss lately that we had to keep off the record. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, that turned into Future Forward and it's... Uh, it's a fun half hour and sometimes people learn stuff and sometimes people send me emails afterwards and say, you guys are idiots, which is okay. Um, and, and, uh, and it's getting, and it's getting better. I, I think Steve, it's funny. My memory is a little different than yours because, um, I tend to be, uh, take forever to get things launched and everything. Cause I want things to be perfect. And they never are. Even when you launch, uh, and I was like, let's work on this. Let's fine tune. Steve was like, no, Sunday we're recording the first one and we'll get better <laughs> as we go. And I tell you that has been brilliant for the engine of creating nearly 80 or 90 of these things. Um, and we're getting better. You know, I mean, I do feel like um, there's lots of room for improvement, but we're really, really enjoying it. And we're having guests now for the first time, uh, which I hope maybe you'll join us for one and um, we get you some payback. Sure. <laughs> but it, but it's it's it is great. And we have a New York angle as well as an angle that is, I think, kind of lodged elegantly between sort of business to business and the consumer point of view. We're not there yet, but what I think the world needs is a tech equivalent of the old car talk. Remember mm, uh, Rick mm, and Frack, mm, these guys mm. at NPR, and it was like, wow, I don't even like cars, and that thing was so awesome all the time. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. We try to keep so, a foot in the what's going to happen in 18 months and three years, but things are moving so fast. Today's announcement is the future. So we should talk about IEEE because that's right. important. So at the end of the first year, we said, you know what, we're ready for a partnership. 
we looked at a bunch of people we know, we talked to some folks, and it became clear to us that IEEE had this incredibly robust internal editorial engine and didn't have a podcast. And so we, we reached out to them and said, hey, how about if we partner? Uh, some weeks we talk about articles from IEEE Spectrum. Some weeks we have the writers and reporters on. And, and the dirty secret, which is they're just way smarter than we are. Like they're just like, they're well, like, yeah, so they do a very good job of that same thing of, of not translating. I mean, you can get deep in and suddenly you're in deep engineering land, but a lot of their articles are very accessible and it's a very good time for them because this whole internet of things means if anything, historically they've skewed hardware uh, and now it's a big mishmash, but this is an era where devices and all the little things you can do with them. It's, it's kind of a, uh, it's kind of happy hunting ground. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good. Well, listen, um, so because I haven't done a podcast recommendation in several Friday episodes, so this this is a bonus episode that is also a podcast recommendation. Um, check out Search Your Podcast app for Future Forward. Thank you, gentlemen, for, for coming on. 